0: Hi everyone, I'm Kina. I'm Catherine.
1: And I'm Juliet, And we're a team of three high schoolers committed to engaging in meaningful discussion and learning more about the topics we're passionate about. Our
2: conversations range from politics to social justice to environmental reform. Anything goes. Welcome to all of the above out loud.
0: Welcome back to our podcast everyone. We wanted to wish everyone a happy summer and kind of explain where we've been these past few weeks so we've been busy with school it's our <laughs> junior year so we've had ap tests and finals and everything may and june are really busy months but we're back
1: Yay.
2: so in honor of it being pride month this episode is about the los angeles lgbt center
1: so like catherine said june is pride month which is a really important month obviously uh we most of us recall in our discussion of the fight for gay rights obviously the stonewall riots in 1969 and then since then especially since then gay americans have actively fought and demonstrated and protested for the right to civil liberties as they are today and it's really crazy to think about that um, the fact that gay marriage was only legalized in 2015. So talking about these issues is really important in our modern society. So like Katherine said, we are gonna to talk to Sam of the Los Angeles LGBT Center. She will be joining us shortly as we introduce what the LA LGBT Center is. Yeah. So let's start the episode. All right, so
2: to start off, could you introduce yourself and your work and how you got involved with working at the LA LGBTQ Center?
3: Yes. So hello, my name is Sam Aguilar. Um, I use she, her, hers pronouns. I am a community educator and organizer. Um, I'm a queer Chicana and I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley. How I got involved with the center? I got involved with the center pretty recently. So I've only been working there for about two years. I started in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. Basically, I was looking for community um, because I had come out when I went away to college. So coming back home, I was like, oh, my God, like I have no community around. I wasn't out in high school. So I have to like find people who were able to like help me grow and sustain my development as like a person um, and like basically just like finding like that queer chosen family in LA. And I know LA is huge, but that also sometimes makes it a little more daunting because you're like, where is everyone at? And this program basically just works with schools in the Los Angeles area and beyond. And basically what we do is like we work to provide free resources and support for GSA clubs and um, LGBTQ youth as a Whole. So I always tell people if you want a job, maybe you should start volunteering for like the place you want to work at. Because I did want to work at the LGBT Center because why wouldn't I? I don't want to go back to having like a job where um, my identities and who I am aren't necessarily cared for. Um, So it's a really big, important thing for me to really give back to like the community.
1: Yeah
0: and we were researching the LA LGBT Center and we noticed that it was founded the same year as the Stonewall Riot so do you know if there's any connection between that at all or if it's just like a coincidence?
3: I think the center had their first like brick and mortar like there it was located in like a house um, in 71 so it came a little bit after but I think all of the ideas were there and put in place by 69. So I mean, if you think about the 60s, and what was going on in the 60s, and even um, events and riots that predated Stonewall, like a lot of it was kind of like this amalgamation of like, civil rights and demanding civil rights. So in 1950, there was like the Mattachine Society. And we actually have a lot of queer history here in Los Angeles too, which is really cool and not a lot of people know about because Stonewall is like this major thing that like we teach um, as like LGBTQ history, but it's actually really cool because um, I think it was in like 67, um, right down the street, there was this bar or like club called the Black Cat, which was like, recorded as like a riot before Stonewall. And there was also things happening in like 59 at like Cooper's Donuts that were like riots against police brutality and being able to like dress as yourself, how you feel most comfortable out out and about in the streets. Um, Because I think the policy that they had back then was called like masquerading, which basically meant like you could be arrested if you were a quote-unquote woman dressing in a quote-unquote man's clothes. So I feel like that whole time of like the 60s and I think the Civil Rights Act was in 64, um, I think that was like a really big time for all kinds of civil rights movements um, and like Stonewall and the start of the LGBT Center were no exception, right? Um, And I think, one thing that's important to note is that like the Civil Rights Act didn't include um, any protections for uh, sexual orientation or gender identity so I think that like since then like even this like federal policy didn't include us so since then we've been fighting for equal rights and protections and currently going through Congress is the Equality Act which would work to amend this act from 1964, the Civil Rights Act, um, to include protections based on sex, sexuality, gender identity um, through different federal agencies, whether it's like employment or housing, um, federally funded programs and education.
2: Okay, so I know you just mentioned the Equality Act. Um, What are some other policies or rhetoric around the LGBTQ plus community that you'd like to see changed?
3: So one thing that we've recently been working with is um, the policies, the federal policies around um, sexual education. Um, So sex education was only like abstinence-based, basically saying that like, I don't know if y'all remember like, or have seen mean girls where they're like, oh, don't have sex or you will like die. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically that was like, that. that is sexual education in schools across the US, right? And in California, luckily we have like this California, I think it's like California Healthy Youth Act or something Youth Act, um, I'm not sure, but it did, put in place these like policies, right? That said that students in California should be receiving inclusive, comprehensive um, sexual health education. So that would include talking about sexuality, talking about gender and how we each personally have all those things. And although they might be different from like person to person, that doesn't make it any more invalid to be Different or to have a sexual attraction to the same sex or different sex. Those federal policies don't necessarily include inclusive education. They don't necessarily include like information about like HIV prevention or PrEP or PEP or anything like that. So it, I would like to see some actual federal policy that supports LGBTQ youth in their sexual health education. Or advocates are saying, if we talked about sexual identities and gender identities within sexual education programs throughout the US, this would greatly benefit everyone. And it would actually lower the homicide rates of trans people throughout the US, right? Because a lot of times we're not taught that it's okay to love someone who's trans or it's okay to love someone who's queer. It's okay within yourself to not be just heterosexual cisgender, right? The reason we were working on a new type of program that, um, or workshop that we put together as like queer youth, I work with like a group of Um, 18 to 24 year olds who create these trainings together and who facilitate them in the community and stuff so um, sometimes I think that changes in policy don't work as well as we want them to because we were getting a bunch of youth coming to like me sending me emails about like can we get a sexual health education training for our GSA like we've had like GSA advisors reach out to us and say, like, our students aren't learning what they need to be learning in their sexual health classes or their health classes. Can you come in and, like, provide that supplemental education? And for me, it's like, I'm not a sex educator, you know, like, I'm not Planned Parenthood, but I do know that we work with a population who really needs this information.
0: Are there, I know you talked about how There were many things that were damaging to the community, and you know, policies just one step towards helping that. Are there any assumptions or myths about the LGBT community that you think are damaging? And could you share a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, um, I think one of the main ones that has been coming up a lot, especially during Pride Month, is that visibility doesn't always necessarily mean safety or positive progress for all LGBTQ folks. Sometimes like I'll have conversations with like family members or friends and um, like we see all these things about like, like especially during Pride Month, like um, corporations will change their logos to be like pride flags. um, And like you see pride everywhere, like it's in Target. Target like changes their whole um, dollar section to include flags. And like, I have definitely bought one of those flags from Target. So I'm not like, trying to completely hate but it's also the fact that like, just because we're more visible, doesn't mean that we don't still need the support, and the actions, the policies put in place for us to really thrive. And sometimes I think that people conflate like visibility with representation or like progress and it is progress for sure but it doesn't always necessarily mean safety. I've read a lot of articles about how visibility can actually be more dangerous in terms of like now we're visible, now we're like in people's faces, now we're like everywhere. Um uh, one example with that of that would be like the rising murder rates and homicides for transgender nonconforming folks. I believe we're currently at 28, around 28 for this year, 2021, and we're not even halfway through it yet, right? So um those numbers are already higher than the entire year of um, 2020 and the entire year of 2020 or 2019. So we do have this visibility. Um, but I would say that it's a myth or it's an assumption that that is like automatically going to give us safety or it's automatically going to give us progress. Yeah, so visibility, I think that's definitely been a topic on my mind lately and something that I have talked about with my friends and my partner and with my youth groups. Um, yeah,
0: I I actually like know exactly what you're talking about with visibility because a lot of sports Instagram pages and social media pages have been changing their logos to be like LGBTQ flags and all of that. But when I look at the comments, they're still like a lot of the fans are still not being supportive. So that definitely shows like the myth of visibility that you were talking about.
3: Yeah. And visibility doesn't always mean like education or correct education. Right. So um, sometimes people hear pronouns and they're like, they them is not a like it's a plural po- pronoun you shouldn't be using it for one person but it's like wait like we do that all the time like if someone leaves something and you don't know whose it is we'll say like they left their phone here or someone left their phone here I wonder if they think I should move it or whatever something like that you know so it kind of falls under that same line and Yeah, I definitely agree about all of like the comments on Instagram or whatever, like the comments are a terrible place (laughs) to look, but I always get stuck in them and I always want to read them. Yeah, I
2: agree. Um, Kind of on the same note, what are some practical ways that we could all become better LGBTQ plus allies? Let's see.
3: So definitely like allyship is a verb. Sometimes we hear it as like this label as like, I'm an ally, or so and so is an ally, but I definitely think it's like an action. Um, And it's definitely a lifelong process, right. So um, there's not really any like taking breaks from allyship, because like, people with the identities that you're aiming to ally with don't necessarily have breaks from their identities. So I think that, yeah, it's just a process of building relationships with folks and really listening to those in the community and um, educating ourselves on things that we don't know and not speaking up on things that we have no idea about, you know, like, and I think an important thing there too is to like, own, own your mistakes, right? Like if you accidentally misgender someone, like it, I think it would be totally fine to just say like, oh, sorry, I did that. I'll get it right the next time. Um, and yeah, it's important to like be humble because like as allies, we don't know everything, right? Like I am a Chicana, but I, I would like to be an ally to the Black community, but I know that I don't know everything about the Black community. So I think an important part there is to be able to be humble about not knowing everything and be open to learning and open to keeping your mind open, you know. Um, and I think too, it's also really important to like amplify the voices of LGBTQ individuals. Um, and to like identify where we have privilege in this um, situation and how can we use that privilege to really disrupt these oppressive systems or to stand up for um, a friend or a peer or a stranger um, when you see something homophobic or transphobic. Um, so. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just like relationship building. Like if you're friends with a queer person or a trans person, like you probably know already like how they want you to act or how what is like okay for you to say, what is okay for you to whatever. Um but yeah, I think a big part of allyship is like just having friends actually in the community who um are willing to let you know when you've messed up and call you in rather than like call you out. Um, Having folks tell you that like what you did is wrong, you're kind of thinking of it as like a place to grow from, right? Because that's all it is. It's not like someone's out to get you. Like if if they're your friend, they're not out to get you, right? Maybe they're frustrated because they've tried to make this point a million times before and you're just getting it now or like this and that or so many other different things. But I think it's like, okay, to know that you don't know everything because we can't all be possibly expected to know everything and say the right thing all the time. And that's a part of learning and that's a part of friendship and growing relationships.
0: Yeah, that's definitely good, um, helpful advice. Um, Relating back to the LA LGBT Center, Could you just share like a positive experience or a meaningful experience that you've had there?
3: Yeah, um, I definitely think I have meaningful experiences all the time. Um, Every time I work with like a new youth, um, every time we have like a conference and are able to bring the youth onto the campus, 2020 was actually really rough because a lot of folks, a lot of GSA clubs moved virtually. And that also meant that like, some folks weren't who weren't out at home weren't able to join anymore. So our numbers dropped like so much. Um, I think we worked with like fifty students in GSAs this past year, whereas before it was like up into like the thousands. So oh, wow. yeah,. Um, And that's something that we just noticed the other day. I asked my supervisor like, oh, how many students did we work with last year? And we were shocked, but it's also like, that is the reality of what we are living in, right? Like not everyone is able to join a GSA club from their home. Um, So I think every time I get to talk to a youth and to provide them resources, whether it's about like transitioning or whether it's about like how do I come out to my family or anything like that um, is really meaningful for me specifically because I get to be the person that I needed when I was younger.
2: That's really cool. Um I just wanted to say that I I would appreciate if you could maybe tell us a couple Of more resources like books movies or documentaries stuff along those lines that could help um us and our listeners learn about the lgbtq plus experience more um because i know i myself i don't have too many friends and you said that was like the best way to um learn and be an ally or perform allyship since it's a verb um so do you have anything like that
3: so one of my favorite Shows or like resources right now, and it's like super popular. Is Pose. I don't know if y'all have seen or heard of Pose, but it's like a um, series on FX and it's also on Netflix now, too. So it's accessible if you have Netflix. Um, It kind of documents like the stories of Black queer and trans people in the ballroom scene in New York. Um, And it kind of just like follows their lives. And it's also, I believe Janet Mock, who is a trans um, author produced the show. So it, it does have, it's not just like, oh, random story written by someone random about LGBTQ folks and they actually had trans actresses and they had trans people, queer people as actors um, which sometimes doesn't happen in Hollywood because they will cast like straight actors or um, cisgender actors as like trans people. Um, So Pose is a really cool um, show. It is sad, you will cry, you will laugh. Um, I love it Um, and then there's another documentary on Netflix called Disclosure, I think, um, and it's a, it's just about like the, like it's following like the trans history in media and how it has progressed throughout time. Um, there's a lot of really cool trans activists, trans actors, actresses in there. Um, and it's just like a quick documentary that is super informative. Um, so I really liked that one. Um, and then one thing I don't know about, like, I don't, I actually haven't read a lot of, like, queer books or, like, queer authors, other than, like, poetry. Like, Ocean Vuong is a really good poet, um, who is queer, but definitely on, like, Instagram, uh, one thing I always tell folks is just to, like, follow queer and trans educators, um, activists on Instagram, because that's where you're going to get most of like the beneficial information. Um, and you find like a really cool, like interesting story about like the history of trans folks or the history of gender. Um, and one person who's really good at that, and I really love their videos. Um, they're called Alec, Alec V. Menon. Um, I think their Instagram tag might be Alok Menon or Alec, Alec V. Menon. Um, but yeah, they're on Instagram. So there's a bunch of really cool resources out there. Um, yeah. Thank you.
2: That's super helpful. Could yeah. you just repeat the last name, sorry, of the poet you
3: mentioned? I didn't catch that. Um, Alec or or Ocean? Uh, Ocean. Ocean Vuong. It's like, well, actually, I don't know how to say it. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but V-U-O-N-G. Okay, got it. Thank you.
0: Okay, and we'll link all of this in the description of our podcast and we'll try and find everything that you talked about well i think those are all of our questions we're really thankful that you came and talked to us and we learned a lot
2: thank you so much that was super educational i learned a lot
0: okay so as i said a little earlier when we were talking to sam we'll link all of the information about the la lgbt um, center below including their instagram website and places that you can donate
1: so you can find us at AOTO Club on Instagram, where in our bio, we have a link tree to the podcast, All of the Above Out Loud, as you're listening right now, and also the website. And yeah, that's pretty much all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, and see you next time. Catch you on the flip!